0: We get a wide shot of the crowd and Shivani says this is the largest crowd to see a wrestling show in Chicago in 1997. He says this as it's January 20th, 1997. This is the third Nitro of the year. What a ridiculous, stupid line this was. this is another Vintage Wrestling Review. This is episode 11 of Who Booked This? As always, give me a follow on Twitter at Emerald Hacksaw for updates on the podcast. You can also head over to anchor.fm forward slash dm one podcast for full access to the WBT archives. Every episode has been between 20 and 50 minutes long, so they are relatively quick listens. While you're there, you can support me monetarily through a monthly subscription. I have three tiers, 99 cents, $4.99 and $9.99 you will get a shout out here on the show when you do so everything is appreciated just click the support button on the page to make that happen and next to that you will see a message button with that you can tell me how you're liking dm1 and the who booked this series as well as leaving me a recommendation for a future episode you may get featured on the show when you do so DM1 is available on five other podcast platforms, those being Spotify, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Breaker. Follow the show on any of those platforms so you never miss an episode. Before we get started with our regularly scheduled programming, I wanted to talk about the real world and present day wrestling for a moment. If my voice still sounds shot, it's because it is. Last Friday, the wife and I traveled to St. Louis to watch St. Louis Anarchy's Circus Maximus event in Granite City, Illinois. It was their first show in 11 months. Of course, they fell victim to the pandemic and weren't able to put anything on since last last August. On top of that, they had to move to a new venue and we managed to pack 500 people inside a pavilion behind an Elks Lodge and it was a fantastic event. We had a mix of the current guard with some newcomers and everything aligned perfectly. My voice was shot after the first wrestler made his entrance for the main show, that man being War Horse. He is the longest reigning and most defending independent wrestling champion of all time, and for that to belong to one of our guys is really cool. We had a couple of hoss fights that were brutal, but for me, the night was made with the final three matches on the card. It started with Everett Connors, another local talent from the area who is starting to make waves, and that makes me incredibly happy. I remember seeing a younger Connors no more than five years ago, and he has found his own with his current persona. He was taking on the returning Davey Richards. This was Richards fifth match since returning from a four year hiatus. Davey had taken time off uh, for injuries and surgeries. He was also spending his time as a full-time EMS attendant if I'm not mistaken. I know that while he was wrestling, he was also a volunteer EMS attendant. At one point, Davey Richards was one of my favorite wrestlers, but for one reason or another that I won't get into, I fell out of favor with him. Be that as it may, Davey has not lost a step in the ring. Richards and Connors took each other to the limit in this match. The final sequence saw Richards kill Connors with a double stomp for a two count. After the kickout, Richards immediately nailed a brain buster for another false finish that had the crowd going crazy. The finish finally came when Richards locked in an ankle lock after Connors kicked out the second time. It was another star-making performance for Everett Connors. The co-main saw Anarchy newcomers, the premier, defend the Pro Wrestling 01 USA Tag Team Championship against the hometown team, and for my money, the best tag team on the independents right now, the besties in the world, Davey Vega and Matt Fitchett. The premier are comprised of Camaro Jackson and Campbell Myers. 01 USA runs just east of the area we were in for Anarchy. The Besties come out to Truly, Madly, Deeply by Savage Garden, so they have a special entrance to coincide with the song. We didn't get that because those bastards in the premiere interrupted it to start the match. And this was my first time seeing the premiere, and I liked what I saw. They took it to the Besties in this match, and Vega and Fitchett would get the win after Vega got a roll-up for the three. We then got to sing along to Truly, Madly, Deeply afterwards. And then the main event came. Jeremy Wyatt defending the Gateway Heritage Championship against Gary J. And Gary J. is my favorite wrestler from this area. And I mean that with all due respect to everyone else. He, too, has an interactive entrance. He comes out to Joker and the Thief by Wolfmother. And it is the greatest entrance in all of the land. Every time Gary comes out, he'll make a lap around the ringside area, and every time he passes me, I make sure to make eye contact with him and scream, Gary J is the fucking man. On this night, he embraced me with a big hug, and we got hyped. That's my fucking guy right there. I was literally shaking throughout the rest of his entrance, and pardon me for being corny here, but at that moment, this shit was real to me. Jeremy Wyatt comes out, and he's the biggest heel in all the area. He's such a jerk, but he's so good. The big news coming from this match is Wyatt and Gary went to a 60-minute draw. I watched two guys go to a time limit draw live and in living color, and I could not believe it. I don't know if it was because I was there live or if it's because Wyatt and Gary are just great workers, but this match did not feel like 60 minutes. And Honestly, it's probably a little bit of both. This show was incredible. That match was fantastic. I loved it, and I can't wait to go back. Uh, You can catch Circus Maximus in full on independentwrestling.tv. Check out the anarchy atmosphere. It's unlike anything else in wrestling. With that out of the way, let's get into this week's edition of Who Booked This? We are jumping back 14 months to January 20th, 1997 for the 71st episode, or Season 3, Episode 3 on Peacock, of WCW Monday Nitro. We are live from the United Center in Chicago, Illinois. We had 17,000 in attendance, and this show had a TV rating of 3.7. This is the go-home show to the inaugural NWO sold-out Pay per view. That pay per view was completely run by the NWO faction. The story goes that Eric Bischoff had planned to run WCW and the NWO as separate brands, and this is why so many people would join the NWO. And this ultimately did not work. On top of this sold out show, WCW also ran a special NWO Monday Nitro. The week before Starcade 97 later this year as a way to prep the audience for a potential NWO show, but that did not work either. The New World Order never became a brand opposite of WCW, it was just a bloated faction within the next year. Also, the penultimate Clash of the Champions show will take place tomorrow night from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So we have two shows we are building to here on this Nitro, and this is during the initial two-hour period of Nitro. So hopefully, the first hour is not a chore to get through like last week. Tony Schiavone welcomes us to the show as the camera pans all the way up the aisleway. Out of nowhere, Macho Man Randy Savage appears from the crowd to a big ovation. Shivani tells us that Savage hasn't been seen since Halloween Havoc last October. Savage grabs the mic and says, Here's the deal. I've been blackballed and I ain't leaving until I talk to someone who has some major stroke. Holy shit, I love when everything comes together like this. I literally mentioned this segment last week when breaking down the turmoil between Randy Savage and the New World Order. He says he plans on staying here all night. And he has a message for his ex-WCW boss, Eric Bischoff. You can kiss my ass. Savage takes a seat in the middle of the ring. He is holding the show hostage. Savage, again, is sitting in the middle of the ring as the crowd is going nuts. Chavo Guerrero's music hits as Nitro will try to move forward with tonight's program. Savage is basically jabronying Chavo here. Chavo is trying to talk to the Macho Man. But Savage is not moving. He's not going anywhere. He wants someone with stroke, whatever that means. Eventually, Savage gets out of his chair and pops Chavo. Chavo gets dumped to the floor, and the Macho Man sits back down. Chavo's scheduled opponent, Max, makes his way to the ring now. He tries to talk to Macho Man, and then Max gets beat up. And for the trifecta, Savage clocks the referee. Finally, Doug Dillinger makes his way to the ring. Savage shoves him down. And Alex Wright comes out afterwards, and he got popped as well. Savage is locked and loaded with his steel chair. Stop bullshitting Randy Savage. A bunch of lower card guys plus the Steiner brothers are out with the officials. No one is doing a great job in getting Savage out of the ring. And then, from the heavens, Sting appears. We are hitting the high spots early for this week. He is propelling down from the rafters. We see him go past the 1992 NBA champions banner for the Chicago Bulls and he lands right behind the commentary booth. And I must say, Sting looks like an absolute badass here, propelling down from the rafters much like he did you know, 14 months later coming down from the helicopter in Panama City Beach. I can't get over this Sting Crow character enough, especially at this point. Larry Sabisco speculates that Sting is in the New World Order. That was also the story at the time. The man called Sting enters the ring as Savage stands or sits his ground. Sting sits the baseball bat right on Savage's Adam's apple. Savage stands back up and we have a face-off. And what a visual here. Sting in his crow garb, Savage looking the way Savage can. Such a great look on TV for this. Sting is pushing Savage's back, and in an act of badassery, Sting hands over the ball bat to Randy Savage and then turns his back. He is giving the Macho Man a free shot, but Savage tosses the bat back to the stinger, And then Sting and Savage leave the ringside area together. They leave through the crowd as Nitro goes to break. I said this last week, and I'll say it again. It would have been really cool if Sting and Randy Savage had been this duo of anti-hero vigilantes fighting for WCW on their terms against the NWO. But unfortunately, that does not happen. But let's see where this takes us for this edition of Nitro. Tony Schiavone throws to footage from a month ago, Masahiro Chono has joined the New World Order, and in the ring we get the action started between Chris Jericho, who will take on Chono this Saturday at Sold Out, he's facing Alex Wright, apparently Chavo Guerrero and Max are unable to compete, even though Alex Wright suffered the same attacks that Chavo and Max did, but whatever, Jericho and Wright are going back and forth to start the match. This thing was sloppy towards the end as it does end relatively quickly. There were miscues as they were exchanging in a lockup. Jericho rolled up Wright for the win, although Wright had his shoulder up. We won't pay attention to that, though. Jericho looks into the camera and says, Come on, baby! Okay, then. Out next is Jeff Farmer, the quote-unquote fake Sting, the New World Order's version of Sting. He is taking on Scotty Riggs. The NWO did the fake-out between Jeff Farmer and the real Sting, in the lead up to fall brawl back in september after that what was the point of keeping farmer in sting gear farmer tries to howl the way sting does and he's getting beat up by scotty riggs sabisco says why can't we call him stink it's much shorter that is the exact same word minus one letter how is that shorter farmer gets the momentum now big drop kick from the middle rope by riggs but the Chicago crowd has noticed something in the Iowa. Riggs does too after going for the cover. It's Buff Bagwell, the former American Males partner of Scotty Riggs. Farmer went for the attack, but Riggs moved out of the way. This prompted Bagwell to run into the ring and run off Scotty Riggs. The rest of the NWOB team joins Bagwell. Riggs hops the barricade and slaps Bagwell right in the face before getting some distance between himself and the NWO. David Penzer announces Scotty Riggs as the winner as Bagwell, Norton, Patrick, Vincent, and Wall Street have him surrounded. They force Penzer to announce Jeff Farmer the winner. The NWOB team stand in the ring and pose as we go to another break. In the last two segments, we have gone to break just as quickly as we have gone back to the live broadcast. When we come back, the following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. It's Scott Hall and Kevin Nash selling the NWO sold-out t shirt we see footage of Ric Flair talking to Bob Probert of the Chicago Blackhawks. The Blackhawks are in Buffalo tonight for a game, so Probert cannot be with Flair and the Horseman to take it to the NWO. That was a weird video. Speaking of the Full Horsemen, the man has come home. Steve Mongo McMichael has returned to Chicago since his time with the Bears. He is with Arn Anderson for a tag team contest. Their opponents are Eddie Guerrero and Jeff Jarrett, and that's a somewhat strange tag team. Don't ask me who the heels are because I don't have a clue. We get a wide shot of the crowd and Shivani says this is the largest crowd to see a wrestling show in Chicago in 1997. He says this as it's January 20th, 1997. This is the third Nitro of the year. What a ridiculous, stupid line this was. The match begins with Anderson and Jarrett. Neither man is able to put anything together at first. Jarrett hit a crossbody off the top rope before he tags in Guerrero. Anderson tags in Mondo as the crowd goes nuts. Big shoulder tackle by Mongo. Eddie tried to finesse his way out of Mongo's grasp, but it doesn't work. He got sent to the floor. Anderson is tagged back in. Weird tag from Guerrero and Jarrett as Eddie just sidestepped Arn to tag in Double J. It was kind of odd. Eddie then runs up the aisle for reasons we don't know why. Tony Schiavone tries to say that six was in the Iowa taunting Guerrero. None of this was ever seen. Anderson and Mongo are taking it to Jarrett and Deborah essentially threw in the towel for Jeff Jarrett as Arn Anderson and Mongo McMichael will get the win. It's weird because just as this match was getting started, it was over. It just ended abruptly. It was like the other matches we've already seen tonight. Gene Okerlund is in the entranceway. I guess now is a good time to interview Ric Flair. Flair slips going down the rampway. He says he is in the middle of putting his body back together. He believes the horsemen are not the unit they should be. Arn says the horsemen is the pinnacle of this business, and that's a little ironic given today's wrestling climate. Mongo takes the mic and says, Chicago, Mongo's home. Thank you, Mongo. It appears that Benoit and Mongo have been having an issue within the horsemen. This was hinted at. It wasn't really expanded upon. Flair never specifically said anything about this. He basically said, hey, we need to focus on our actions in the ring before we start tapping ass outside of it. Despite the fact that Benoit and Mongo each have women on their arms, and I'm pretty sure Flair and Anderson are also married at this point, but whatever. That interview was kind of all over the place. Shivani throws to a promo from Eric Bischoff from this past Saturday night. Bischoff says it's not easy being the king. He's running the two biggest wrestling promotions in the world, WCW and the New World Order. He mentioned that Hulk Hogan bought him the bike he's laying on. He's running through all the legends that Hogan has beat. This fucking promo is all over the place. Bischoff says that the only two things Savage ever wanted was Miss Elizabeth and Bischoff's hair. This promo was edited the way old YouTuber vlogs were edited back in the day, so Bischoff really was ahead of the curve here. But my God, he has said a lot of nothing in this promo. Back to live action, we see D Malenko and the Ultimo Dragon ready for action. Dropkick early by the Dragon before connecting with a kick combo. Malenko cuts Dragon off with a power slam. Malenko threw Dragon into the corner, got popped with a boot, but landed another power slam. The man of a thousand holds hits a big brain buster for a two count. Dragon hit the old razzle-dazzle out of nowhere that put Malenko on the floor. But he goes on to miss a house show dive and then reverses an Irish whip into the guardrail. Neither man has been able to keep their momentum going. They're on the top rope now. Dragon hits a hurricanrana for a two count. More back and forth sees Dragon lock up Malenko in a cradle for the win. Shivani says these two will run it back tomorrow night at Clash of the Champions. So why were they working here? Hour 2 begins as Mike Tanay and Bobby Heenan now join Tony Schiavone. They are running down what happened at the start of the program between Sting and Randy Savage. Virtually everything is being replayed for the TV audience here. Once again, back to the live action, and for the third time tonight, both wrestlers in a match have been given the jobber entrance. Lord Steven Regal and Jacques Rougeau are in the ring as the world television title is on the line. Once again, don't ask me who the heel is supposed to be, I'm assuming it's supposed to be Jacques since he calls the crowd Illinois Hillbillies, he then sings the Canadian National Anthem. After a bit of graps, Regal is tripped by, I believe, Robert Parker, what the hell? Jacques is taking it to the TV champion, Parker tries to trip Regal again, but it doesn't work. Parker then decides to get in the ring, he goes to hit Regal, but Regal moves, Jacques gets nailed, and the referee calls for the bell. Regal dispatches the heels, and they give the win to Regal, even though Jacques was the one who got hit. Technically, Regal should have been disqualified. Either way, this was completely pointless, this match lasted two minutes, it was not needed, it was filler in every sense of the word. Oh, and by the way, I was looking up the time for that last match when I found out the Ultimo dragon Malenko match was also for the Cruiserweight title, but that was never mentioned during the broadcast. And every match on this card so far has been less than five minutes. DiBiase is promoting the Hogan Giant world title match, the Outsiders will face the Steiners for the World Tag Team titles, and Six will challenge Eddie Guerrero for the United States title. We then hear from Lee Marshall over the phone. He is coming from Milwaukee, the host city of tomorrow's Clash of the Champions special. Back to the ring, the Taskmaster is on his way out when he is blindsided by Chris Benoit and they immediately go into the crowd. They are fighting amongst them. They go into the concourse area and are swarmed by fans. They make their way to the restroom now. There are some fans who have made it into the restroom at this point. Benoit and Sullivan are beating the piss out of each other, no pun intended, I promise. Kevin Sullivan drags Chris Benoit out of the bathroom where there is a wall of fans just waiting for them. Woman is trying to make her way through the mob and the camera actually picks up her saying MOVE goddammit!" Sullivan and Benoit have made their way back to the ringside area. Sullivan grabs a fan's beer and smashes it into Benoit's face, but then Benoit grabs a soda and throws it in Sullivan's face. Shivani, Tanay, and Heenan keep talking about how this is a preview to tomorrow. Why are these guys wrestling on back-to-back nights with a pay-per-view on Sunday? I mean, I know sold out is WCW versus the NWO, but come on. This match officially begins, by the way. They crack heads and do a double down. Benoit went to the top rope while Jimmy Hart slid in a ring bell for Sullivan. Benoit went for the diving headbutt and got all ring bell. Sullivan wins. The actual match is not very long, but with everything that led up to it, it was absolutely bonkers. Sullivan is helped to the back by Jimmy Hart while Benoit is coming to with a woman. As we come back from break, Rock House plays, and the New World Order arrives. They run off Shivani, Heenan, and Tanay. Can you believe we are 65 minutes into this show, and this is the first time the NWO has been live on the show? Just from the eye test, everyone is here but Hogan and Hall. Bischoff, DiBiase, and Nash have taken over the commentary duties. Bischoff says we are going to get a taste of sold out. Out next is Pierre-Carl Olette Of the amazing French Canadians, he's Jacques' partner. The NWO is absolutely shitting on the future PCO. Hacksaw Jim Duggan is out to take on Olette. Duggan has this gigantic WCW flag, and I kind of want it. Bischoff changes the card live on the air. Masahiro Chono will take on Seacosis now, and Scott Hall will take on Booker T. PCO hits a leg drop off the middle rope for a two. Within minutes of this match starting, the Steiner brothers come out and attack the amazing French Canadians. Duggan pops PCO with a tape fist and wins. What a fucking waste. Totally meaningless. Bischoff welcomes us back to quote NWO Monday Nitro. We go back to Starcade from December where Scott Hall hits the Outsider's Edge on DDP and we are chronicling the mini-feud between DDP and the NWO. This ultimately turns DDP into a megastar for WCW. Last week, Hall and Nash come out to the ring to congratulate DDP on a victory. They are going to offer him a spot in the New World Order. DDP puts the shirt on but hits the diamond cutter on Scott Hall. He then low-bridges Nash and runs into the crowd. Squire Dave Taylor is on his way out to the ring, and he is taking on Masahiro Chono. I could have sworn that Bischoff said that Seikosis was wrestling Chono, but what does it matter? Nick Patrick is the referee. Of course, he is the NWO referee, so we know shenanigans are on the horizon. Bischoff keeps talking about how Chono turned down a contract from New Japan Pro Wrestling. What a joke. Chono attacks Taylor from behind. I got to admit, the NWO commentary is grating at this point. I understand that they are supposed to be heels. They are supposed to be annoying, but this is just bad. Dave Taylor hits an axe handle on Chono, and he goes to the floor. Chono then gets sent to the guardrail. Chono hits a Yakuza kick and locks in the STF for the win. Bischoff keeps calling Chono "massa my hero Chono, and that's just stupid. Scott Hall and Booker T are next. I did hear that one correctly. Bischoff, DiBiase, and Nash are still on commentary, and I am so sick of this shit. Hall gets a big reaction, because of course he does. He throws the toothpick in Booker's face, and Booker reacts with a slap to Hall's face. Hall had Booker mounted and was slapping him in the back of the head, when Booker then hits a calf kick, and Booker was starting to put some offense together. He misses an elbow drop, but hits the spinner Rooney right out of nowhere and connects with a Harlem sidekick, and Scott Hall made that shit look good, I must say. Scott Hall shows some strength and catches Booker and launches him with a fallaway slam. Big sack of shit. Hall's words, not mine. Booker hits a 180 crossbody, and Nick Patrick goes down for a 34-second two-count. So stupid. Booker is arguing with him for it. Buff Bagwell comes back out for no reason and jaw jacks with Sherry. Hall hits the outsider's edge for the win and that makes the Sherry distraction meaningless. I don't know why Buff came out in the first place. We get a promo for the now NWO hotline before Stevie Ray makes his way to the ring. Why the hell wasn't he with his brother? Booker T was out there not five minutes ago. This show is completely off the rails. Stevie will be taking on Lex Luger and what will last all of three minutes, I'm sure. Luger was jaw jacking with Nick Patrick, so Stevie Ray pops Luger from behind. Luger connects with about six or seven right hands in a row. Stevie pulls Luger out of the ring in the weakest way possible, just kind of gently grabs him by the trunks and just nudges him ever so slightly out of the ring. Sherry is putting the heels to Luger on the floor. Luger hits a big power slam and locks in the torture rack, but before Stevie could actually submit, Nick Patrick just rings the bell. Luger and Stevie are equally pissed at Nick Patrick. It was the screw job before the screw job even happened. Look at that. Uh, Once again, I'm going to sound like a broken record. This NWO commentary is absolutely awful. Total go away heat from me. I am ready for this show to be over at this point. And finally, Hollywood Hogan is on his way out. And we have less than five minutes left in the show. And I am so damn ready for it. Ted DiBiase calls Hogan the only icon in this business, which must really hurt Ted DiBiase because he knows that nine years prior, he was supposed to be the WWF champion and take the belt, at least in some way, from Hogan. And now he's standing in the middle of the ring calling Hogan the only icon in this business. Hogan decides that he will pose in the ring. He says some bullshit about how big his arms are. His arms helped bring a 747 in for a crash landing or some hokey horse shit like that. Hogan says that the giant is pimple infested. What the hell is he talking about? He's completely filibustering here. This is bad. What a waste of time this promo is. Thankfully, the giant charges the ring and he is stopped by security. Giant breaks free. After he gets his cue and Nitro goes off the air, immediately the crowd isn't going crazy. The commentary isn't selling this moment. This is not good. Jesus Christ, this second hour was abysmal. Overall, this is not a good show. Rose-colored glasses are definitely used for this time period. Unfortunately, I haven't watched any Raw from 1997, so it may be the same over there. But until then, all I have to say is this show was bad, plain and simple. Thankfully, the New World Order wasn't too overbearing here, but that second hour with Bischoff, DiBiase, and Nash on commentary was absolutely atrocious. Not one single match went beyond five minutes on this whole show. I'm sure the Benoit Sullivan segment did as a whole but the actual match was 155 but that will do it for this week another episode of nitro is in the books this is a huge case of you had to be there because i cannot fathom that this show got a 3.7 tv rating but in 1997 with the nwo as hot as they can be i can understand i do want to apologize if my commentary for these matches seems uninterested it's hard to review 10 sub 5-minute matches. Nothing happened in these matches. The only takeaway was the opening segment, and I was kind of hoping that Sting and Savage would come out at the end. Either way, thank you for joining me for episode 11 of Who Booked This? As happy as I was to watch Spring Breakout 98 last week, going back 14 months into Nitro lore was not fun for me. Before we get out of here, go follow me on Twitter, at Emerald Hacksaw, for updates on the podcast. I will be cutting it close for this week. But the show will be coming out as always. Head over to anchor.fm forward slash DM1 podcast for the entire DM1 archive. Subscribe for a monthly fee if you like what I'm doing over here and you want to support me. We have three tiers, 99 cents, 4.99, and nine ninety nine. 99 Doing so will get you a shout-out here on the podcast. Click the support button on the page. Click the message button right next to it to tell me how you're liking the show and to leave me a recommendation for a future episode of WBT. You may get featured here on the show. Follow DM1 on your podcast platform of choice. We aren't just on Anchor, but we're also on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Breaker. Don't miss an upload. Who Booked This drops Every Thursday at 3 o'clock Central Standard Time. Well, we're going to stay in WCW for one more week and let's see if I can handle it. This time we are jumping to October 1999 and next week we will be taking on a bit of a somber tone, at least for the main event. Bret Hart will wrestle Chris Benoit in the fabled Owen Hart tribute match. This edition of Nitro takes place in Kansas City just five months after Owen passes away. This match is one of the best matches in WCW history. Owen Hart's death messed me up as a kid. I have not watched the Dark Side of the Ring episode on Owen yet, and it's because his death really got to me. I don't know if I'm ready for that yet, but I'm going to have to get to it at some point because Dark Side is a really good show. Either way, I hope to see you all next week. As always, my name is Bradley. This has been Who Booked This as a part of DM1. Catch you later, guys.